This is Bloomsbury Radio, and uh, we are celebrating all things Bloomsbury Festival 2022. Um, and right now, as part of the many conversations that the radio team have been uh, pulling together over the last uh, few days and weeks, we are joined by Kathleen Palmer. Kathleen, how are you doing? I didn't say Kathleen Turner. Excellent work. <laughs> how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Let me introduce you a little bit because you are a curator of exhibitions and displays at the Foundling Museum. That's right, yes. Good. I'm glad I got that right. That's important. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> obviously you have an event. In fact, you're involved in more than one event at the festival, which we can touch on, which listeners already know about because 26 are um, a regular sort of guest on Bloomsbury Radio. But um, Kathleen, let's talk about you, if, okay. we, if we can. So... Uh, I'm quite interested in that journey to becoming a curator. Is it one of those jobs that you kind of just accidentally fall into and then discover you love? Or is that something you always wanted to be? Or what's that kind of, you know, journey? So uh, I did a history of art degree um, at Bristol. Makes sense. Um, And I realised about halfway through my degree that I was really passionate about what I was doing. Um, And I wanted to keep working in that line rather than going off and do kind of any old graduate job. So um, I spent some time doing some volunteering work in museums, um, quite a common way of getting some experience. And then I did a museum studies master's at UEA. Wow. Um, and then I spent quite a long time looking for my first job and finally got there. So, yeah. Um, okay. is, is it quite difficult to get a job in, the, in, in a museum? It's very competitive. Those sort of first jobs are quite hard to get. Once you've got a little bit more experience under your belt, it's a little bit easier to kind of move on and move up. Mm, interesting. Have you got a particular favourite museum? I mean, from anywhere, like, you know, European in the world or anything? Or Oh, gosh. Um, I'm just curious, as somebody who's obviously... You know, you work in that environment. You know, do you have, like, you, you can look at the window from here and you can see the British Museum. Uh, you know, anything, any particular? That's an old favourite. Okay, good to know. <laughs> I'm very nice to be on the doorstep of it where I work. Um, but I probably, I'm going to say something slightly wild. Uh, the Frick Collection in New York. Oh. So it's an 18th century collection in a house. Um, and what? yeah, it's just got the most fabulous collection of paintings. And it's just a bit unusual, a little bit off the beaten track. Okay. Mm. Okay. So how did you and the Foundling uh, Museum come together? So was that just a job application or? It was, yes. Um, So I've been at the Foundling Museum for about five years now. Um, Before that, I was head of art at Imperial War Museums. Wow. um, Working with a fantastic 20th century collection. And I just wanted a change of scene. So 18th century, here I come. How long were you with Imperial? Uh, I was in a range of different roles there with the art collection, so I was there 17 years. Wow, so that's, that was that's, a, that's a lifetime. long term. That, that one that is, that <laughs> is a lifetime. So the commute became quite familiar. I would have thought between you, you know, your commute to Imperial. So are you? Um, you said you went to uni in Bristol, was it? Yes. So you're you're not a London. Are you London born? Uh, no, no, I'm not. Uh, I was actually born in the states, um, oh, okay. but I grew up in Durham in the in the northeast. Where were you born in America? Uh, New York State. Wow. Uh, yeah. My dad was working at Cornell University, so I was born while they were there. Oh, fabulous. Mm. And then just moved back to the UK, meant everybody else came back to the UK. Yes. That's how it kind of panned yeah. out. Yeah. I didn't get a choice in the matter. No. <laughs> I was only two, so. Yeah. But quite handy. You do have, like, like, I presume, an American passport, or you have, you have the dual citizenship I, type thingy? I do. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Very useful when you're going back to visit that particular uh, museum in New York that you mentioned in that particular 18th century um, house. 
Yes. So in, in relation to so the Foundry Museum and over the last five years, what kind of things, so how, does, like, how do these museums differ? What, 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 what's the Foundry Museum kind of specialise in? Um, so it tells the story of uh, the Bloomsbury Institution, the Foundling Hospital, um, which was set up in the 18th century in 1739 um, by a businessman called Thomas Coram. Um, and he had spent time working in America, actually, uh, retired back to this country and saw a lot of children being abandoned on the streets of London. Um, it was a really growing city at the time and there was a lot of kind of poverty and people dislocated from where they'd come from. Um, and he decided to do something about it. So he set about uh, setting up a founding hospital to take those children in. <coughs> Amazing. And, and take them in what, when they're poorly, when they're ill, or when they're homeless, or, when, or what? It... Ah, so, uh, yeah, it's called a hospital, but that's a slightly misleading term. Yes, yes. Uh, so in the 18th century, that was really any kind of residential charity. So the children would be taken in as babies. They'd be cared for with a foster family until they were about four or five. Okay. And then they'd come back and live in the founding hospital for their education. Yeah. And the hospital would find them an apprenticeship and a trade to sort of set them up in, in their future life. That's extraordinary, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely extraordinary thing to even think about doing and so much need, need about around that. It's, it's yeah. quite unbelievable. A tremendous kind of vision. And he was supported by um, artists of the time. So uh, William Hogarth got very involved in, in yeah. supporting the hospital as well. And so, I can imagine the success stories you've had from that, seeing, you know, uh, babies coming in and then growing up and becoming whatever they become later in adult life. What an extraordinary thing to achieve and be part of. I mean, it must be amazing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's a great place to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Well, that feeds brilliantly into the event that uh, we're going to really zone in on, which is the Tiny Traces, uh, Black and Asian Children. Um, so, look, just tell listeners and me, please because I've had a glance at this. What is this all about? And of course, it is very much part of Bloomsbury Festival. So this is an exhibition tracing the uh, lives of African and Asian children in the Founding Hospital during the 18th century. So it's come out of a three-year collaborative PhD project with a student at the University of Warwick. Um, So she's been looking into the archives in detail, tracking down um, examples of children with those origins so um we've <coughs> known for a long time that there were some of those children in the hospital but this has been a kind of systematic look to really kind of pin down what their experience was like um and what had brought them there so we've looked at kind of 18th century london and we know that there were about 10 to fifteen thousand black people living in the uk okay. at that time mm-hmm. and we've looked at the kind of growing asian population because of the east india company mainly and those connections yeah so we've taken the opportunity to look at the lives of the children that we've been able to trace. So there are about 15 stories in the exhibition. Um, and to also look a little bit at how the founding hospital sat within London and London within the kind of heart of, of the British Empire at the time. Yeah. Um, and to really look at those kind of connections and that context. What kind of archives give you that information? What kind of things are there? Um, so there are, I think it's 245 linear metres of archive. <laughs> 
So it's an extensive archive. It's all the administrative records of the hospital. Okay. And they like were the really and stuff and all that. They yeah, were really yeah. meticulous in their record keeping about yeah. the children and about the running of the hospital. Mm. Um, they belong to Coram, the charity Coram, which is the successor of the founding hospital. Mm. Um, and they're kept at the London Metropolitan Archives, mm. um, not too far away, Clerkenwell. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So we go over there and use the archives to research yeah. the, the history. I like the idea of you focusing in on sort of 15 stories because it, it really kind of focuses the mind when you go see this exhibition. It's almost like, but I presume uh, there was many more than 15. I mean, I mean, the numbers in London were quite big. Uh, yes. So, so far between so 1739 when the hospital opened and 1820, we found, we think, somewhere around 25 um, children. Okay. It's very difficult to find them in the archive. There were probably many more than that, but those are the ones where we've been able to pin it down because one of the reasons we called the exhibition Tiny Traces is that that's what we're that's trying what you've to... That's what you've got. That's what we've got. Mm. It's like trying to find a needle in a haystack, really. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because it's not something that's being systematically recorded by the yeah. hospital. Yeah. So it's... Um, in the early stages when the babies came in, they would take a physical description of what they were wearing and anything that would help to identify them. So mm. sometimes you'll get a little note which just says something about the colour of their skin. Okay. And that's all you've got to go on. And it can mm. be quite descriptive or, you know, mm. all sorts of different kind of terms and, and descriptions are used. Mm. Um, and then uh, a little bit later, they started asking mothers to write a kind of application and there we've got a little bit more. We find out more about where the mothers have come from, what wow. their story is. So we've been able to trace the stories really, you know, as far away as Antigua in the West Indies, from Calcutta, um, Bengal, you know. Wow. So right across the British Empire, some of the stories stretch. I, I presume the stories um, only go as far as um, these children were uh, sort of, you know, looked after by the actual hospital. Like, is there... Is there a, a way of tracing what happened afterwards when they left and went on about their lives? There's one. Oh, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing, <laughs> isn't that, amazing yes. that there's one? There's one. So uh, there's one young woman called Fanny Kenyon. Um, she was mixed race, um, a black father and a white mother working together in domestic service in London. Um, and um, we know that, uh, you know, she had... She was a very bright girl. She was a very clever girl. Um, she was praised by her teachers in the hospital. She got a nice apprenticeship. Um, but a little bit further down the line, things started to go wrong for Fanny. And the reason we found her is because she got into trouble with the law. So she's come up uh, against administrative uh, records again. So good but news not for the, the right wrong kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. Mm. That's good. That's good. So look, if if I rock up or when I rock up. <laughs> excuse me to this exhibition what's the experience what am i seeing what am i experiencing when i walk into that building okay so you come into what's actually a 20th century building but it contains lots of the architectural features from the original founding hospital building including some complete rooms mm. so it's a great visit anyway yeah. um but the special exhibition space where we're showing tiny traces um uh, you know, we've got a whole room that sort of traces the stories of these 15 children. Uh, you'll come in, there's a film which helps to set the scene, explain about London and what was happening at the time, where the different populations had come from. Uh, then we start to look at the stories of some of the mothers, the parents of the children. Mm -hmm. Then we look at the hospital authorities, the hospital governors, 
and where their money came from and how they were connected to empire. Mm. So, you know, there are one or two plantation owners amongst them um, and other people with sort of trading connections with mm. empire. So we've done a little bit of a look at them, but we didn't want to make them the centre of attention. Yeah. Um, then we want to, then we go on to talk about the children and their experience of growing up in the countryside with their foster families. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we start to track them through the hospital where they get apprenticed, what happens to them in future life Mm -hmm. so there's lots of documents um, in the show but there's also some really telling little objects um, connected with empire some of our founding hospital tokens that were left as kind of identifiers with the children okay Um, and then we've also worked with um, six contemporary artists we've asked them to choose a work that um, has a conversation a dialogue with the themes in the exhibition so we wanted to Think about the fact that we don't have portraits of the children. So some of those works are portraits. So giving some sense of a kind of a person behind the stories. Um, Sometimes they will sort of ask some questions about the long-term legacies of empire. Um, So lots of different ways of kind of approaching the subject. That's really interesting. So give an example of a couple of those. So some of them are portraits. Yes. Um, Are some of them pieces of poetry or? Uh, No, they're all visual. Okay, they're all visual. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. For this show, sometimes we, we do literature. <laughs> um, so we've got a fantastic piece by Hugh Locke, which is, um, it's a, a share certificate, a historic one from the kind of 1930s, but he's painted over it. He's painted a, a ship image over it, something that he uses quite a lot in his work. But he's really looking at the kind of um, trade relationships, yeah. that kind of legacy of mm-hmm. empire. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a fantastic piece by uh, Zarina Bimji, mm-hmm. um, which is untitled, but it's three little girls' dresses that have been made by pinning together maps. And one is of the UK, one is of Asia, and one is of Africa. Okay. Um, and it partly relates to her own biography as a Ugandan Asian okay. um, coming over here yeah. um, with the expulsion of, of uh, Asians from under Idi Amin. Okay. Mm. <coughs> so I presume there would have been some slave trade still going on at this stage. Was that still going on in the 18th century? Or yes. Yeah. So that would. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those governors who were plantation owners, they were. They were very much involved. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we yeah. have one or two people who are involved with the sugar trade and things like that. So yeah. there's very much that kind of presence. Yeah. There. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, what an extraordinary insight into sort of such an acute kind of stories of 15 people, but yet it tells the story of such a global kind of history as well of empire and, you know, that type of colonialism and that kind of stuff that went on. Extraordinary kind of marriage between the two of really acute history meets kind of global as well at the same time, if that makes sense. Yes, it's one of the things that we find with the founding hospital stories and the stories of individual foundlings is that you often get that sense of, you know, the macro in the micro. Yeah. You know, you find one story and then (laughs) you start to unpick that kind of and unravel the threads and find those sort of wider context and, and what's going on uh, Mm. historically, it just leads you out to lots more questions. I always wonder, you know, when something like the Foundling Museum was created, day one, did the people around or in that room or in that conversation think this would be such an incredible legacy and such an incredible, you know, um, historical collection that would be informing us in the year 2022? It's kind of... Crazy, oh, crazy I, to think, isn't it? That, I, I mean, mm. maybe they did. Maybe they did. Maybe there's a certain type of individual or individuals that think that way. So the museum's relatively young, in <laughs> fact. It was set yeah. up in about 2004. Okay. 
um, as a kind of separate charity from Quorum. So yeah. it's, um, I think we still feel like we've got so much more to explore and so much more to learn. Um, you know, it's always really exciting to do the different exhibitions. We're sort of slicing the cake of the history in lots of different ways. So we've looked at the role of women in the hospital. Um, we've looked at children with disabilities in the hospital. Lots of different kind of um, perspectives and viewpoints and, yeah. and, and stories. Well, I can tell that you love your job. I do. <laughs> I, can just, I can just tell with the energy and the, and the happiness in you. I could feel it actually down a reception when you walked into the building. <laughs> you, just, you have that in you, and it's a wonderful thing to see because, you know, there's so many people who are not happy in their jobs, and what an amazing job you do have, and so great that you enjoy it. And what a lovely story, you know, that you, that you did art history and then kind of went into museums and kind of kept that going. It's extraordinary, isn't it? But are you living in London now? Uh, I live uh, just south of Croydon. So, oh, right, okay. Yeah. Not too far. <laughs> yeah, Thameslink too... is yeah, what yeah, gets yeah, me yeah, here, yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, listen, Kathy, it's been lovely to chat. Can we just go through the dates of when this is on? Uh, 14th? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so it's on right the way through the festival from the 14th to the 23rd. Yeah. And does it have a lifespan after that? Uh, yes, yeah, it does. So it's going to yeah. stay open, isn't yeah. it? It's going to be, yeah. it's going to be around. open through until February. So, you know, yeah. Don't tell too many people that because obviously we want you to go during the festival. But yeah, every day of the festival, that is. And if I want to get involved, if I want to get a ticket, how do I book a ticket? Uh, so you can go online on our website. Yeah. That's probably the easiest way. Or you can uh, rock up. And what's your website? Uh, it's foundlingmuseum.org.uk. Amazing. Um, Kathleen, thank you so much. It's been a, it's been a lovely chat. Uh, thank you so much for talking about your event. I hope it's a roaring success. I'm sure it will be. <coughs> Why wouldn't it be? It's such an, an extraordinary opportunity to kind of discover something about our past. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Love it. Um, we'll talk soon. Listen, have a great festival. Will you, be, will, you be, will you be popping into Bloomsbury Central during the, during the week? I hope so, yes. Catching different events, <laughs> getting involved. Well, listen, come back and say hello to us then. Always knock on that door. It's always open. Will so do. Uh, come back for more conversations. Uh, thank you, Kathleen.